the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to hour two of tonight's Andrea K Show. Tuesdays mean more than just tacos. Tuesdays also mean the night that we get to have some laughs and some fun. As we enjoy our time together with Gary Quackenbush for his news you can use segment. And that is the time is now. Uh, But before we bring on our dear friend Gary Quackenbush, we got to remind you guys that don't forget our podcast. You can download it wherever you get your podcast. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. And along for the ride with me every night of the week is the yummy, spicy, and always good for you. It's DJ Sesame Broccolini. You got it, dude. Sesame broccolini. Mmm, yummy. <laughs> Put that, that in your old. taco. Yeah, that never gets old, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we love to giggle at ourselves, don't we, Sesame Broccolini? It's the best. It's the best. Uh, Yes, it is. All right. Speaking of giggling, Gary Quackenbush from GQ Law always makes us laugh. And it's a good thing because you know what? If you're going to be an estate planning attorney, you got to have a sense of humor and you got to be able to make people laugh as you talk about serious things. Right, Gary Quackenbush? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're the uh, the comedy section of the death <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about really do, ready to reach through the phone earlier and and knock you off because you were bragging to me about your trip to Kauai next week. Only my favorite place in the world. And by the way, continued prayers uh, for those in Maui that are still trying to put their lives back together. So I'm yes. glad you're going over there. Maybe you're not going to Maui, but you're still contributing to the economy over there for Hawaiians. And so that's a wonderful thing. So good for you for going to Hawaii next week. So during the show next week, sorry, I'll be at a it'll be I'll be at a luau in Kauai. Mm-hmm. Enjoy some Kalua pig for me, my friend. Mm-hmm. I will. I will record it, and then the following Tuesday I will play it back to you. Okay. Are you going to do any? Uh, you gonna what are the hula dancing? You gonna do any hula dancing? No. Probably not. Okay, that, they always try to get you know people, volunteers, and stuff like that. And my kids think it's funny, and I, I don't know. It's funny when my kids yeah. and grandkids do it, but I don't like to do it. I've done it before. <laughs> on, you know, yeah. It, I'm just not super into dancing. My wife is like she would probably go. I'll do it. She'll do it on mm-hmm. her hands. It's crazy. So, yeah. but it's gonna be will. super fun. Yeah, we'll miss you. Good. I'll be thinking about. You, well, now I'm going to be thinking about doing the luau. I'm going to be going, great. This is a this is, this bites for you, AK. Here it goes down the hatch. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you have a great time next week. We will miss you, you as well. Um, in the meantime, do you have any wacky laws for us the week this week? 
this is something well this is not wacky this is dead serious and i am just proud to announce that in chico they have a law and this is sometimes you have to have a law to really clamp down on things you just get tired of these things happening in your city limits and you go gosh darn it we're making a law to stop this stuff and what they've done in chico is they've made a law that prohibits you makes it illegal to engage in nuclear war (laughs) so so i I just think it's good to put in a municipal code because that's super important (laughs) and it says no person shall produce, test, maintain, or store within the city limits a nuclear weapon or a component of a nuclear weapon, <laughs> nuclear weapon delivery system, or a component of a nuclear weapon delivery system. So, you know, when things get tough and people just like everybody's got a nuke, I think it's time to amend the code and put it in and say, yes. okay, we've had enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some <laughs> so residents listening tonight in the show and they're like, you know what? I'm going to have to cancel my order from Amazon. I see it shipped. It's not That's on right. its way for delivery right now, but I got to stop it from getting here because I don't want to break the law by having this nuke delivered to That's my right. front door. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Amazon has a c- clever label for it so that nobody, you know, a- accidentally, you know, sets the thing off. But I mean, oh, <laughs> The Coleman Lantern, (laughs) the Coleman Lantern filaments actually make nuclear weapons. Dead serious. Yeah, that's how you make an. Ooh, wow! Shouldn't say that on the AK show. Yeah, the 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 material that they have in the the filaments for a Coleman Lantern, the material that they use in there, you have to have a lot of it. But that's some of the substances they use in a weapon that can cause a nuclear reaction. There's some okay. kid that well, did it. Unfortunately, that's like not ordered all a thousand of, the of them. Okay, you haven't given away the the recipe, have you? You haven't given away all the ingredients to baking that cake, right? I mean, there's no. You know. I was just surprised that it was that. I'm going, whoa, that scares yeah. me now. I light my I light my 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 nuclear lantern now. May go off someday. <laughs> no, you have to have a lot. But the fact that people figure that stuff out just cracks me up. You know, yeah. if I order a thousand of these little filaments and I burn them and I squish them in my little thingy here, and then I can do that and I can have a fusion reactor. It's like, wow. I still you don't know, believe it, but the guy got yeah, arrested we, for may, it. Yeah. We better hurry up and change the subject before nobody can buy a, you know, a Coleman lantern or you're going to have to show your ID when you go to buy it. Kind of like who decided to try to figure out how to use Sudafed and turn it into something nefarious? Because now I can't even go buy allergy medicine or sinus medicine without having to show my ID. Or Coracetin. Yeah. I know. I know. Right? What? Um, all right. We've got to. All right. We've got to get serious. Get so we got yeah, We have another celebrity death. And this happened. And you know what that Suzanne means. Summers, our darling yes. Suzanne Summers. Mm-hmm. 76 years old she did not look 76 years old no passed away and of course the first thing that andrea and i think about is i really hope she had an estate plan which is not Mm -hmm. even a silly thing to think it's like she was worth a lot of money she worked her whole life and hopefully the transition was smooth or will be because it's going to be it's just awful to mourn the loss of a parent a sister a friend and then and then and then to have to kind of deal with the mess i don't like how non you know if you don't have an estate plan together it kind of 
taints things. And it, there's kind of this lingering, like, oh, yeah. gosh, I got to deal with this mess. And One so of the things kinda... that I loved about her, and I grew, grew up with her, uh, you know, um, from Three's Company, which, by the way, in reruns and watching that wasn't my favorite, you know, show. I much preferred, you know, Mork and Mindy or, <laughs> you know, um, you know, um, Happy Days. Then I, I liked Three's Company, but I was I became a fan of hers because after she got kicked off the show for the salary disputes that involved her her then boyfriend manager, who she ended up marrying, Alan Hamill. This was a woman who re you know she reinvented herself and not just as an actress but as a businesswoman. And with the thigh master, with her, she wrote 25 books. I actually went and saw her one woman show here in San Diego, The Woman in the Thunderbird, because that was the title, the credit that was given to her in American Graffiti and a movie I've never seen, by the way. Um, but I was a fan of hers because this was a woman who, to me, exemplified the American dream. She was a single mom when she got cast on Three's Company. And she was married to Alan Hamill for, what, 46 years. There was yeah. never a hint of any uh, affairs. They, from all reports, had an amazing marriage and business partnership. His son, he didn't officially adopt her son, but he raised her son as his, called him his son. His uh, his daughter referred to Suzanne Summers as her mother. Such a tight, blended family. And so when I thought of her passing, I thought, oh, you know, it would be so such a shame if there was any battles because they were what, one of the most successful marriages in Hollywood, and particularly when it came to the blended family and loving mm -hmm. each other's children. And believe it or not, she was worth $100 million. She went from being fired after five years on Three's Company to being worth $100 million. And it would just be such a shame if there was any infighting in the family because she didn't handle. But I suspect that she took care of business and that she and Alan Hamill did together and things are going to go smoothly. I'd be surprised if I heard otherwise. But usually you and yeah. I talk about it and that's not the case, right? Yeah, and I I just my my prediction on this one is that you won't hear about anything like that. I mean, I think she really did remake herself, which is really cool. It's, you kind of sometimes you get stuck in kind of a persona, and then you kind of deal with yeah. it, and then you kind of get these little roles. But she kind of went, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to go make something of myself, and she did. I think it's it is really true. It's like the total American dream. She did a great job. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, she did. And rest in peace, Suzanne Summers. She fought cancer. She had had cancer, I think, three times before she did Three's Company. A lot of people don't know how many years she battled cancer. And it was an aggressive form of cancer. And um, so she passed away peacefully. And, you know, at a time right now where we've got just so much craziness coming out of Hollywood and the entertainment industry, it's nice to see somebody, you know, a celebrity who, you know, lived her life in a way that seems decent and mm -hmm. family oriented. Um, and, you know, and it just goes to show, I don't think we're going to hear, like you said, any, any negative stories, any drama coming out of it. And that's the way it should be for everybody, whether you're worth a hundred million dollars, a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, there's no need to pile on drama. The family, family's hurting enough at that moment, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's surprising to me, um, going going through it personally, how much 
um, how kind of wearing the whole kind of settling in a state is. Even if it's done really super organized, like my dad's, it's still, there's just a lot of work because things keep coming up and coming up and coming up. And literally, you know, two years after someone passes away, I get it. You get another notification from the county mm-hmm. assessor going, oh, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. So it goes on for a long time. And that's when they're organized, when they're disorganized. Yep. They're just way too much stress. It's just not, it's just something everybody's got to think about. You know, we're all going to, we're all going to meet our maker someday. That's just a hundred percent. Nobody gets out of this life alive. That's right. And it's just the matter of getting yourself set for that because it's, it's inevitable and the more you plan, the better it is. I, I was on the phone with a, a client this afternoon, and he was absolutely 100% sincere. He said, Gary, what is it going to take so when I die, my kid will have the the greatest chance of a smooth transition? He gets all my stuff. What's the greatest chance? I said, well, we can kind of do this. We can do this. We can do an amendment here. And he says, no, I asked you, what is the greatest chance of success? I said, your stuff is really old. And I think we just start over. And he said, I want you to start over. I want everything brand new, up-to-date, latest, greatest. And I don't care what it costs. And it's not very expensive. And I said, I can have it done in two weeks. And he said, that's exactly what I want. It was the coolest thing. He just says, I know I'm going to pass away. Wow. I want my son to be taken care of. I just want it to be smooth. I don't want it to be a pain where he's going like, Dad, why didn't you do this? So it was really cool. Really cool about that. I love that. Well, how can people get a hold of you and make that happen? Because that's these things have to be dealt with. So you might as well do it now and make it easy for your family. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Go to GQLaw.com. GQ, like Gary Quackenbush, law.com. You can get an appointment through my website. It's the easiest way. GQLaw.com or 855-500-TRUST. Well, you have a wonderful time in Kauai next week. Come home safely, my dear. I will. Thank you, Andrea. Have All a right. good one. Thank you, honey. And you guys Bye. stay tuned. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break, but we'll be right back. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show on this Taco Tuesday. Don't forget to download our podcast wherever you get your podcast. They usually load it up by about noon the next day. You can email me at andreakshow.com. AndreaKshow.com. And we also have a 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. You can call me anytime. I may not answer. In fact, I won't. But you can leave me a message with a topic idea, suggestions. You can give me a rant, anything you want to say. I'm super excited to have and honored to have my guest, my next guest with me tonight. Um, you longtime listeners of the Andrea K show, particularly, and if you new listeners, you know how much I love the state of Israel. My longest living crush is Benjamin Netanyahu. I've been absolutely horrified like you all have been over the Hamas attack on Israel. And then also to see the horrific rallies across this country, shouting things like glory to the martyrs, seeing Taliban flags being paraded up and down Florida And of course, when I saw Dennis Prager, a couple of his pieces on Town Hall, he's super busy, as you guys know, nationally syndicated host. You guys listen to him every day at 9 a.m. here on the station. I had to implore him to come on the show tonight and share his wisdom about what's going on in Israel, what our role needs to be in that, and the problem we have here at home. Dennis Prager, thank you so much for being here tonight on the Andrea K. Show. Thank you, Andrea. So I'd like to start with... You know, when, when I, I knew you were coming on the show today, it was before 
there was this bombing on a hospital today in Gaza. And I'd kind of like to start there because uh, Rashida Tlaib immediately accusing Israel of intentionally bombing a hospital, killing 500 people. Of course, we know that that would never be the case. Benjamin Netanyahu came out immediately and said, we don't target hospitals. We don't kill children. They kill our children, and they also murder their own. What would you like to say to the American people tonight listening about that situation that took place at the hospital? Well, the truth is I'm just learning it from you right now. I don't know a war that has ever involved uh, killing since I'm being cute because every war involves killing tragically wherein these things don't occur. Mm-hmm. The difference mm-hmm. is between those armies that target civilians and those where civilians are the tragic byproduct of war. It, it is almost inevitable that it occurred. I don't, I don't know if the hospital was even marked as a hospital. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I only know that one side would target children and mm-hmm. one side does not. Uh, Israel in all of its battles, has actually dropped leaflets and sent text messages to people in Gaza, for example, saying, leave your building because we will be Mm -hmm. attacking it. Uh, Is there any army that has ever done that? uh, At PragerU, we have a course, uh, course, we have a presentation. They're all five minutes. This is given by Richard Kemp, who is a a brigadier general with uh, with the British Army, he was the head of uh, British forces in Afghanistan. The name of the presentation is <clears throat> uh, the Israeli army is the most moral army in the world. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a, a general in another country's army saying mm-hmm. that about Israel's army. Israel loses men uh, because it does try so hard to avoid civilian deaths. So, look, those... Those who support Hamas or Hezbollah or the Taliban, uh, the, these people of, uh, are, are dedicated uh, to nihilism. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing good that Israel could do that would mollify these people. Remember, mm-hmm. their motto is, from the land to the sea, Palestine will be free. That means that Israel will be destroyed. They don't mm-hmm. even... They don't hide the fact that their their intention is to annihilate the state. There is no uh, there is no parallel in the world uh, to uh, this. There is no country in the world targeted for extinction except Israel, and that there are people who will uh, uh, be for that uh, from the from the river to the sea. Yeah, from the river to the yeah. sea. That's that's uh, yeah. That's the actual. Well, uh, the IDF has come out and said that, and I'm sure that you know, that upwards of 30 percent of Hamas rockets end up in Gaza. And that leads me to uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's statement today, which is that um, Hamas are the new Nazis, he said, and the entire world must unite to defeat them. Um, I, I loved your piece that you wrote in Town Hall about Islamo-Nazism. You start by saying that Nazi is a word that gets thrown around too much. It shouldn't be used against non-Nazis, but that is a term that actually is fitting here. Uh, can you share with the listeners uh, more about that? Well, there was German Nazism and now there's Islamic Nazism. 
And German Nazism didn't mean that every German was a Nazi, and this doesn't mean every Muslim is a Nazi. It means that there is a form of Nazism that uh, is Islamic, and that is uh, Iran is, is the state behind this. I, I, it's so sad to me. It's a, it's, a, it's it's a tragedy, actually. It's a moral tragedy that this case has to be made. That there are vast numbers of people who want to wipe out Israel and kill all of its inhabitants, and and yet uh, Israel is on the moral defensive uh, in 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 parts of the Western world. Uh, I, let's put it this way. Uh, at least the, we should have more sympathy uh, for Neville Chamberlain, uh, who uh, didn't see didn't see Hitler for the evil that he was, and was willing to give up Czechoslovakia. Uh, you know, in retrospect, it's always easy to condemn the people of the past, uh, but we're living through it right now because any uh, any giving in to Hezbollah or Iran or Hamas is identical to uh, allowing Hitler to do what he wants. Uh, it shows you what our universities are producing, that they would produce people who actually support people who believe in the annihilation of a country. There are 22 Arab countries. There's one Jewish country. It's the size of New Jersey. And, 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 and there are people in America who support those who wish to extinguish that in, in order to make a 23rd Arab state. In the, in the only play, and the only states that ever existed there were Jewish states. There was never a mm -hmm. place called Palestine. There, were, there, were, there was never an Arab state. There, were, there was never a Muslim state. There, was only, there were only Jewish states. The indigenous people to that area are the Jews. Yes. And, it, it's, and yet, look at, look at the moral confusion. Well, is it confusion? Well, with the, with the young people, it's indoctrination. And, uh, and and to see students at University of Wisconsin in Madison chanting glory to the martyrs really got to me. Where is our FBI counterterrorism unit? Why are they not investigating them for their ties to terrorism? I, I don't know uh, what the FBI in this uh, in, instance can do. I, I, if, if we need the FBI... To if there was a bunch of students yelling, let's lynch blacks mm -hmm. and, and supported the Ku Klux Klan, we wouldn't need the FBI. These people would be drummed out of normative American life. But that is not the case here. Kill Jews is now OK for those who support Palestine. That's the point. And if that case needs to be made. I, I worry not just for Jews. I worry for America. Yeah. Uh, if we have so lost our moral compass, then it, it will it will burn us. What is and and I also want to speak for a moment about it. Kind of ties into your other piece that you wrote about the moral equivalency and how you're sick of people saying um, Palestinian children matter as much as Jewish children. Well. I'm only sick of it because everybody knows that's true, except for uh, uh, Hamas. Yeah. The only people who need to hear that are Hamas. They don't believe that Jewish children are as valuable as Palestinian children. But uh, as I wrote in there, the number hundreds of, of 
Palestinian kids have been treated in oncology wards in, in Israeli hospitals. How many people know that? It's, there, there's, no, there's no comparison morally between the two. So the, this notion, oh, well, Palestinian children are as valuable as Israeli children, it, only one side needs to hear that, the yes. Palestinians. Yeah. Um, where do you see, last question for you, how involved do you think the U.S. military should be in this in well, the war over there? Well, Israel, Israel has never asked and has always said we don't want any soldiers. Uh, they, have, uh, they buy a weaponry from the United States and uh, with, uh, we give aid to Israel. The, the new isolationism on the right is very disturbing. As I said to our colleague, Seb Gorka, I said, I, I don't understand how a religious Christian or religious Jew, but this is more applicable because there are so many more Christians, can say, God has blessed America with the greatest wealth in, in the history of the world and more might than any other country, but we should not use it to help others who, who are being hurt. Mm-hmm. We should only use it to help ourselves. I, that's it's at those moments that I ask myself, does religion matter in most religious people's lives? And that, by the way, is, that is a, a very fair question. Sure. But uh, it, it's it's amazing to me, this notion, unless New York or San Francisco is attacked, we have no interest in helping those who are attacked. As I said, uh, we shouldn't laugh at Neville Chamberlain. Well, Dennis Prager, I appreciate you being here tonight. Um, It's an honor to have you with me. Everybody needs to read these pieces on townhall.com about Islamo-Nazism and about moral equivalency because there is no moral equivalency here. There's no two sides in this battle for me. There is one side. And to me, the solution is there must be complete destruction of Hamas. Dennis Prager, again, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor, sir. Thank you, Andrea. All right. Now, you guys stay tuned. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break, but don't go away. We'll be right back. AK, dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Hey, are you guys looking for out here in California some continuing education? Who remembers? Um, there used to be this place you go to for like evening classes. I don't even know if it exists anymore. People used to go there um, to take everything from pottery to real estate classes. I don't know if it exists anymore. Just like fun kind of little classes. Um, I think I took a couple there. Gosh, now it's going to drive me crazy. Hey, if, if, if anybody listening, email me the name of the, you used to find them in the reader. They would advertise in the reader and they would be like evening classes, sometimes just one uh, session. Sometimes it would be a, you know, a series of classes, depending on what you were taking. And they were at night. Um and I don't think they have them anymore, but they were really cool. Well, um, I guess it, you might need to go to San Francisco if you want to take a little evening class to learn a new skill or take up a hobby, right? Um, in fact, Sesame Broccolini, you might you might um, take interest in this because San Francisco will soon be home to California's first drag queen school. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be opened by Stud Collective, a nonprofit formed by the Stud, which is one of San Francisco's most iconic and long-serving LBGTQ plus bars. It's going to teach all the fundamentals of drag performance, and they're going to be evening classes weekly, and they're going to be taught by, quote, drag queen subject experts. <laughs> Do these people have degrees? Because when you would take these evening classes here at San Diego, they'd be taught by, you know, actual experts. I don't know what I don't know what qualifies somebody to be like a drag expert. Um, Here's some of the topics in the curriculum. History of drag, makeup 101, creating character through costuming, lip syncing and marketing fundamentals. Because, of course, you know, if you're going to, you know, take up this hobby, you're going to want to monetize it. Right. Uh, I don't know if the marketing fundamentals come with like, you know, digital marketing. Does that include also, you know, uh, getting a tour, uh, you know, operator to get you a tour? I don't know. Uh, But chair of the San Francisco Democratic Party, Honey Mahogany, will serve as its inaugural headmistress. Um, Mahogany said, I thought drag was just about being campy and female impersonation, which is cool. But the stud taught me that drag can be political, dark, scary, weird, emotional, and so much more. I'm excited to bring this art form to a new generation as the first stud school of drag headmistress. They're going to be taking applications. I don't know what this is going to cost. Um, But once the stud reopens in its new location, uh, they are going to take applications. It's um, available to all genders, sexuality and ages over 21 will be welcome to apply. I guess we should be happy that they're not opening it to uh, 12 year olds. Um, But wow. Um, Are we going to see Sesame Broccolini at any time soon participating in the drag queen, the drag queen uh, school? Uh, I'm I'm gonna fly as far away as possible, um, and I'm already looking at flights to Mars with Elon Musk. They're pretty expensive, but um, at this point, desperate times, desperate measures. I mean, you know, look, I, I mean, it, it's adult entertainment. If I've said from the beginning. Uh, this is adult content. It's adult sexual content. There's no place for it outside of nightclubs. So I don't have a problem necessarily with this as long as you keep your drag away from children, right? So as long as it stays there, I don't necessarily have a problem. I don't like the trying to normalize this as like anything but adult men doing sexualized performances as long as it stays there i'm okay with it your thoughts sesame i find that a little surprising i I don't know even for even for a nightclub this seems to me to be just very weird the whole the whole drag culture i just find it to be very odd i suppose and and i i'd like to think that we could have this world where we just have drag people and we just you know let them do their thing and they don't have to go after the kids but mostly drag most of these drag shows you look at the video clips online there's kids they're throwing money at the kids they're grooming them right oh well yeah well i've got a real problem you draw the line but it's also like uh, are there people that just want to keep the stuff contained well here's the thing here's the thing y'all may be surprised to find this out but i've actually been to drag shows when i was in college because believe it or not back in the day at ultra conservative lsu there was a there was a gay club called the emporium my friend carl worked there on wednesday nights it was five dollars all you could drink where were the where were the kids supposed to go on a budget 
Okay. We went to the Emporium. Okay. And my sorority sisters and I would go hair bows in intact and we would go and, you know, for $5 plus with Carl behind the bar, we could get away with going on two bucks. Okay. And there were no lines at the restroom. So it was a win-win for my, my little sorority girls. And you know what? On Wednesday nights, they had drag shows. And you know what? This is back many, many years ago, okay? And it never went outside of there. You never, we never heard of drag shows at that point. It was never anything in front of children. I thought it was weird. I thought, why would anybody, you know, want to do this? You know, I didn't find it particularly entertaining, um, but I also was not on board with the gay lifestyle either. So, you know, it was like, this was an extension of it. I didn't, you know, I supported the cheap drinks and what happened at the Emporium didn't, never made it outside of the Emporium. So I didn't care. So the problem is, so that's why I can see the line there. Right. Look, I, I, and I, I agree with you in theory. I really do. And honestly, I see that maybe all this stuff is really, really recent. Maybe it is just this new weird fad, and I hope that it is maybe just a phase. But it's maybe, and maybe drag shows have just been co-opted by some other movement. Like maybe the Alfred yes. Kinsey nineteen sixties. What is a woman types hijack that movement? And if so, take it back. That's that's unfortunate. Exactly. Like, I, I, right. I just I see I do see your point, and look, and I just obviously there are plenty of people. I know people who go to drag shows, and it seems appropriate, and everyone there is an adult and consents to it, and it's fine, and they keep that part of their life away from their professional life, and I, I can respect that. It's a free country. Fine. Just stop bringing the kids in. Stop branding them as family-friendly for all ages. That's where I draw the line. This this content is not for all ages. It is for adults. That is the line right. for me. Right. We've known since I was a kid, I knew about transgenderism because I remember I used to, I was obsessed with watching tennis when I was growing up. And there was a, there was a biological male named Renee Richards who cut, I don't know if he ever cut his winky off, but he called himself Renee and he got to play, I believe. Um, but he was terrible. So, you know, he never really made it up far in the rankings. Um, but I was aware of it and, you know, that was going on when I was a kid that was in the seventies. So my point is drag shows, transgender stuff has been going on for a really long time. What has happened is the left's assault on, uh, the family as part of their cultural Marxist movement, uh, decided to attack marriage, um, you know, tell, you know, then it progressed into, um, you don't have to be married to have a baby. Then it was women. You don't even have to have a man. Remember the whole, you yep. know, Murphy yep. Brown situation. Then it was gay marriage. And then it was, you know, and it's just progressed to where now it's it's the, at wanting to add pedophilia on uh, to the equation. So we're using drag kids as a way to, to sexualize children. Um, that's a part of the transgender movement as well. So what's happened is, which is why you have gays against groomers, is so I'm not advocating for the gay lifestyle. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that has been used to be the Trojan horse to finally destroy this nation. That's what's been going on here with that. All right, we're going to take a break. Final segment of tonight's Andrea K. Show. What do you guys think about it? Email me at andreakshow.com. Our 24-hour hotline, 844-814-5227. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Final segment on this Taco Tuesday. Hey, I don't know how, I guess with all the stuff happening in the world, we haven't mentioned a major, major success. I'm glad to end tonight's show in really good news. A.G. Landry, Attorney General for the State of Louisiana Landry, 
same guy that partnered with the Missouri Attorney General Bailey in their lawsuit against the Biden administration over First Amendment rights and how Fauci and others in the White House coordinated with big tech to to deny Americans their First Amendment rights, ran for governor in the state of Louisiana and won. A.G. Landry um, is going to now be the first Republican in at least eight years, I think since Bobby Jindal was um, was governor down there. And he won. He was he he avoided a runoff because he got more than 50 percent of the vote. Um, he uh, most expected that Landry and Wilson. Um, I think Wilson was running against him. I think there was expected to be a primary, um, but that didn't happen. Um, People are freaking out over this. This was such a victory for the Republicans. People are freaking out because what's been going on in in the state of Louisiana? We've got abortion down there pretty much completely illegal. Um, There's other hardcore conservative things happening down in, in, in Louisiana. And I think at this point, people didn't people were shocked because they expected a Democrat to be able to take the state to try to reverse some of the conservative victories that have taken place down there. And instead, this hardcore conservative ends up winning the governor race. I think now there's only, what, three Democrat governors in the area. Um, this was a major win for Republicans for the conservative movement in America. Do you agree, Sesame? Oh, I do. And especially as we're going into 2024, I'm looking for any telltale sign that Republicans are building momentum. And this is just another, this confirms what I've suspected about the fact that we can absolutely take these states back. We can we can start this. We can build out a grassroots movement. Republicans are kind of going through a little bit of an identity crisis, and there's not a lot of leadership coming from the top. But it's nice to see that we're finally, you know, we're, we're building momentum and winning races. And that's that's what I want to see. No more of the making excuses, GOP. Go out there, win elections. That's what I want to see. Yeah. In fact, there's three more. It's not three more in Democrats. Uh, no, I think I was right. There's three more governor races to where we've got an opportunity as Republicans to win in the area. Um, uh, there's Kentucky in which Democrat Governor Andy Bashir is facing a challenge from Republican State Attorney General Daniel Cameron. I like Daniel Cameron. Eyes on that. And in Mississippi, Governor GOP Governor Tate Reeves faces off against Democrat Brandon Presley. Um, those contests are taking place on November 7th. Um, so, yeah, Louisiana is one of three states. So, yeah, we've got an opportunity. And that's and one of the things we have to remind ourselves, too, is when we get upset about what's happening in the speaker's race and congressional races, we also need to remember that so much of what affects our lives on a day to day basis is happening at the state level. And that's where we can take our country back, whether it's at the governor level, whether it's at the attorney general level, uh, secretary of states, mayors. County supervisors, if you think back to during the COVID days, whose decisions had the most impact on your life, good or bad? It was the governor's. That's how Governor DeSantis rose to prominence. Um, That's where Governor Mussolini showed the worst of who he is and the worst of these communistic governors, right, where he put put the state and bragged about the state being on a dimmer switch and he could just shut businesses down and reopen them at will and decide who was an essential worker and who wasn't and lock healthy people into their homes. This what, what the destruction that was done across the state by that governor 
and by our local, like Nathan Fletcher, county supervisors and yep. mayors yep. across this country cannot be understated. So to see us taking our, our, our power back, to see a state like Louisiana that was destroyed by Democrat policies for decades and decades and decades and decades to start to start getting on a better track with with Republican governors is exciting to me. You know, growing up in the Deep South, you know, seeing the holdovers, the economic destruction, the social and cultural destruction of Democrat policies. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I lived it. I saw it. You want to see the worst of what communism can do to a nation? It was on display after Katrina because you saw the African-Americans that were taken off the plantations and put into government housing and just traded one dependency place to another and see the fallout from that was heartbreaking and should have been uh, to every American. And so it's this is this is so exciting to me, this victory down in Louisiana. And there's people threatening, you know, um, in high-level positions down there, like at LSU, you know, to leave, uh, you know, because saying? he's becoming, you know, it's like leave, skedaddle, right? The voters have spoken. And by the way, in Louisiana, one of the things that's also interesting down there is the conservative voting integrity measures. You have to have an ID to vote in the state of Louisiana. That needs to, that needs to be something that, that uh, our presidential elections are federal elections and we need to have voter ID in place in our federal elections. Anything you want to add, uh, Sesame Broccolini, before we wrap tonight? I'd love to see voter ID. I'd love to see a paper trail. And for, for all the people who are listening, I don't know why it's so controversial to say that we want free, fair, and safe, secure elections. But that is, again, under the umbrella of Government 101. Peaceful transfer of power, transparent process, the will of the people prevails. So it's nice to see it's happening in Louisiana, and we have to remember our power as individuals. Every single vote matters. Your voice matters. So use it. Exercise your power. Please. Now more than ever, we need Republican leadership at all levels, local, mm -hmm. state, and national. Yeah, and we need to be using our voices as individuals. When you see that gag order placed on Trump, I mean, they... That, you know, they're they're trying to and, and A.G. Landry led the fight and, and proved, uh, you know, uh, in terms of big tech, exactly how far our FBI, our CDC and beyond were working to silence us, control the message, you control minds and our Department of Justice through their lawfare, whether it's a gag order on Trump or whether it's throwing Americans into the gulag for questioning the outcome of an election. We've got to be speaking up. We've got to be using our voices everywhere we can. And especially at the ballot box, especially supporting candidates run for office, help those that are running. And we got to get engaged now. Just because the elections are next year, we can't be waiting, right? And you also need to be listening to us every night from 6 to 8 p.m. Download our podcast, share it on all of your socials, and tune in tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you, DJ Sesame Broccolini. Thank you to my guests, including Dennis Prager. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.